Namaste. I have a very interesting guest today, Eduardo Adino, represents an interesting organization called First Things, based in New York. It's a media think tank, and they're part of an institute called the Institute on Religion and Public Life. This has been around for quite a while. Now, what makes this, in, this organization, First Things, very interesting is the rise of Donald Trump. Because people around the world are trying to figure out, you know, what is the Trump doctrine? And um, he, we know he's conservative, but the conservatives also hate him, some like him, so what exactly is going on? So to address that issue so that you guys can understand Trump better, uh, you see, there is a fight within the conservative movement going on. There is the old school conservatives like William Buckley Jr. type conservatives, and William Buckley Jr. several decades ago was a pioneering, he's, he's dominated the conservative uh, thinking, a pioneering, a, a big figure intellectual, and he started uh, media, he started uh, think tanks uh, of great influence. And recently, there is a new kind of conservatism which is emerging. And this organization that Eduardo is part of represents this new conservatism which is credited for the rise of Trump and which is trying to consolidate the whole Trump uh, base. Uh, and, and there's a debate. There's a debate between conservatives and conservatives. And this is an interesting debate. And it's, a, it's an interesting, it's an important debate for us Hindus to understand what is going on. So you don't paint all conservatives with one brush, saying that, you know, there is the conservatives because they're also fighting each other for ideology. It's an ideological and a very interesting ideological uh, battle. So, welcome, Edward. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. And namaste to you. Namaste is a Hindu uh, greeting, which says that the divine self in me, the, the higher divine presence in me, greets and rec recognizes the same in you. Oh, very good, very good. <laughs> so, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it goes beyond all boundaries. And, and uh, uh, we'll get started with, I, I'll give a little perspective on my take uh, on this old conservatives, new conservatives, what's going on. Somebody posted the following, a conservative posted the following, should conservatism support a limited government even if that puts nuclear families at risk? Should conservatism support free markets even if that means people can readily buy pornography and sap their moral virtue? So free markets versus morality. Who would lose if Saurabh Amari or Carlson Tucker, if any of them win or lose, what is at stake? What kind of moral compromises should conservatives make to win a cultural or political battle? In other words, what is really the core of conservatism? What's the core value that is non-negotiable? Should conservatism aim to persuade liberals or inoculate conservatism against liberals? Should conservatism care what private citizens do in their bedrooms? or corporate boardrooms, or places of worship? So, interesting questions. Now, I read a fair amount about both camps, and I'm going to read more in the days to come. And I came across the following three or four issues. One is the old conservatives, the Buckley, William Buckley Jr. type conservatives, really focused on the individual, the autonomy of the individuals. Whereas the new conservatives feel that this might have made the conservative movement diluted and weak. And they believe in the collective 
rather than the individual, the collective as church or institution or society or government. The old conservatives believed in less government, less intervention, and the new voice wants that government should intervene to strengthen institutions, can't just abandon this, has to play a role. The old conservatives were defensive with liberals, you know, and willing to compromise and bring in a lot of uh, liberal ideas. And the new conservatives, some of them are saying we should destroy their institutions. We should destroy uh, liberal institutions. No, no, no nonsense about that. And a very interesting thing, the, uh, the view is that the old conservatives who mean well, nothing wrong with them as persons, uh, have harmed the conservative movement. They, while it's not, not, not that they intended to, but they've harmed. And therefore, these new conservatives want to rethink what is meant by conservatives. One way to summarize is that both camps want to make America Christian again, Christian values again, but they have different ways of going about doing this. I think that was a very great and, and fair introduction. Seems, seems to me like you, you see the nuances and the issues well. To understand where uh, First Things is coming from, our, our role in sort of the, the, the world uh, is, is the world of ideas, to try to understand things at their basic level. So one thing we're asking now with uh, you see Donald Trump and nationalism in America. You see it in other places too. You see Brexit. Uh, you see Poland and Hungary sort of resisting the European Union uh, in the name of national sovereignty. You see Marine Le Pen in France, the Sweden Democrats. Uh, Salvini in Italy just had a major victory. So what, what is it that this populist tide, this nationalist tide is sweeping across the West and I think outside the West too? How do we make sense of that? And one of the lines that we've taken is you have to understand the post-war consensus mm. in the United States and the West after World War II. It was a consensus that emphasized uh, openness, individualism, and freedom. Why? Because the problems we had uh, fought with in World War II were ones of collectivism and of consolidation, right? Fascism was, everything was about the state. Everything was organized towards the success of the state and the state's identity. Uh, in communism, the same thing. It was, it was sort of a collectivist creed. And so uh, the thinkers, in, especially in the US, but in also Europe, felt that we needed to combat this during the Cold War with individualism, right? American capitalism is sort of the representative aspect of this. Uh, but there were problems all along within that, within that approach. If you look at Karl Popper, who's one of the most representative thinkers of the post-war consensus, his book um, about the open society and its enemies, one of the things that you realize in that book is that the, the biggest enemy is Plato. Uh, uh, it's, it's essentially an anti-Platonic uh, individualism, and it, it manifests itself in sort of a, a hatred and aversion to the divine, to transcendence. Too secular. Yes. And so the, 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 what you end up having within this freedom movement is you do have a Buckley type of fusionism in which freedom and faith sort of uh, come together and try to work together in a coalition. But then you also have elements in it, sometimes people identify it as libertarian, which think freedom needs to be, be part of everything. You know, you can't have dogma or morals or rules. That's, that's fascist. You know, that's too oppressive and, and uh, you know. So this is the postmodernist, uh, postmodern influence. Yes, there, there's actually part of that as, as, as conservative as, as the freedom movement sometimes seems. There, there are real elements of, I think, uh, a relativistic understanding of things. And so there's, there's ultimately at its core this, this aspect, which is in conflict with, with the faith and tradition element. So Americans have been told for, for a couple of generations now, if you love your country, 
well, that's dangerous. You shouldn't, you shouldn't love your country because, well, the Germans love their country and, and Hitler happened. So something wrong with nationalism? Yes. So it's, a, it's an attack upon love of nation. It's attack upon love of family and the close bonds we have around us and, and your faith. Exactly. So saying, well, if, if you believe that's, that's superstition and that can lead to dangerous, harmful and violent things. And so you need to put that away. And so our interpretation of nationalism in the West at its deepest level is it's a correction against this strain that attacks those institutions and says you can't have strong bonds to family, to, to faith and church and to nation. You can't love those things because that could be dangerous. So we want to restore that aspect of loyalty to those permanent things that create lasting bonds in a community. So that's, that's excellent. Uh, that's an excellent overview. So one of the things in the manifesto, uh, your organization's manifesto is uh, that you want to stand up for the American citizen. So now what's the criteria and definition of, for someone to be an American citizen? So the, the place where that aspect of the manifesto comes from has to be understood within Trump and the tension uh, within, like you said, the more free market oriented versus protectionist doctrine that Trump has brought about. Uh, one of the things that you see happening in middle America on the coasts, people are, are largely very well off economically, New York, uh, California. But in middle America, there's actually a lot of struggle related to family breakdown, drug abuse, suicide rates are high. And so to understand uh, the, the priority for the American citizen is to understand that we don't just have sort of this globalist elite worldview where the cosmopolitan cities like New York, Paris and London get all the attention. But we need to draw the attention to everyday Americans who are in fact suffering um, under our current regime and who need, need some attention. So by citizen, you mean all Americans, but special focus on those who are kind of left behind. Yes, absolutely. Those, those who are the, maybe not the politically correct term, but underclass or somehow socially disadvantaged. So, so Hillary Clinton during the campaign, she referred to Trump supporters as a basket of deplorables, <laughs> right? And so this is, this is kind of a perfect example of the, the elite arrogance towards everyday people. So these so-called deplorables got together and kicked her out. Uh, that's, that's that's part what, of it. Yeah. And so Obama talks about people in 2016 talks about people clinging to their Bibles and their guns. Even Mitt Romney in on the conservative side, I think in 2012 talks about 47% of Americans being takers and the rest of us being makers. So from elites on both sides of the political spectrum, you're seeing this really punching down attitude towards everyday Americans. <laughs>